The best-selling game console of all time debuts. Tim Burton goes full Disney, and Sean Connery disappears underwater this week on 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30 2010, the Laser Times weekly pop culture time machine, each week taking you back through the decades 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. 1990, 2010. I'm almost used to not saying the 80s, but You're I miss them so, so good. I miss them so dearly. This week we'll be talking about February 28th through March 5th of uh, those decades, what um, movies, TV, news, all that crap that came out during that period. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. I'm Diana Goodman, shailing into history. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. Yes, and, uh, oh yes, and I gotta tell you, um, this week's Laser Time is super fun. If you're bummed out by politics, it's all about fictional politicians, including our favorite presidents, mayors, chancellors. It's Ooh. awful. And I, it sounds so hacked to keep saying it. None of it seems as absurd anymore. None of it. <laughs> None of it at all. Wow, Mayor Quimby was certainly corrupt. Oh, he's been topped. <laughs> <laughs> and with public admissions. Jesus Christ. Anyway, and, uh, and, and Video Game Apocalypse this week is um, all talking about anime-inspired stuff. Hmm. Right. Yeah, after my favorite anime, uh, Jackie Chan Adventures. It's me trying to make anime fans mad, but... And also, we have a brand new episode of Elm Street Nightmare, A Bride of Chucky. I know it's a little delayed, but like this is a massive sea change. It's no longer about a little boy being haunted by a doll. It's just about the haunted doll haunting other people, <laughs> which is a wonderful shift. It's the most 90s thing I've seen in at least two years. Patreon.com slash LaserTime is how you make that happen. It supports all of our shows, and i got to thank Dennis. Just Dennis! Um, he's no horny Dan, but... Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> You know? But he is he is a proud patron, and he helps support us uh, at the executive producer level, and we do thank you for that. But you can support us, too, for the price of a cup of coffee. Just five bucks, get a bunch of extra shit, full-length movie commentaries, more stuff to come. Very exciting. 30-2010, let's focus. 1990, February 20th through March 5th. Before we dig into the movies and TV, we have a little bit of uh, news to rattle off to. I'd say wage you into 1990, but I don't remember any of this. Um, on March 1st, the New Zealand Royal Navy discontinues its daily rum ration. Huh? huh. Yeah. Is- yeah. I did not realize this kept going so modern. They were the last Navy to discontinue the rum ration. The U.S. stopped it in 1862. <laughs> um, the Brits in 1970 and the Canadians in 1972. That was just a thing that you you got a small thing of rum every day, usually around lunchtime. Okay. Um, and that was part of your wages. And in 1990, they realized uh, they're operating complicated equipment and maybe we should not get them day drunk. <laughs> it's a little bit more than like eating oranges and stuffing a giant cannonball into a cannon. Is that what you're saying? Just just a wee bit. I mean, it's always a bad idea on a ship. You just go right over. And apparently it was like 98% alcohol, but it was Jesus. mixed with water. But it was like grog. It's the real shit. That's I don't know. And I don't know how we do these I, podcasts. I couldn't without find being any drunk. news stories. I was expecting to find news stories of people complaining. Like, no, I deserve to get my rum. <laughs> I'm gonna be on a ship. No, no. It turns out the Australians are a little more uh, receptive to changes in their laws. Uh, we're thinking of no, the U.S. Like here. Kiwi. 
The Kiwis. The it's Kiwis. Australia's Canada. Oh, my bad. It is New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> the, the weirdest thing I saw, and it bring it down for a second, the Loyola, Loyola Mar- Marymount Lions. That's apparently in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, basket, a basketball player, Hank Gathers, collapsed and died on the court mid-game. Oof. And mm-hmm. uh, the little bit of controversy there is homeboy on the court. I be- he And also he was like... Say like he was doing very well. He mm-hmm. was like leading the team in rebounds, and it was discovered after a previous collapse that he had a heart condition, oh. and mm-hmm. his med- he wanted to tone down his medication a little bit so he'd play a little better, uh, and suffered some something in the middle of the court. I believe he died right there. He was dead before the hospital, wow. and that's that's happened like less than five times in basketball history mm-hmm. where someone's died on the court. It has happened before, mm-hmm. but the difference mm-hmm. here being that ESPN was filming it and they mm-hmm. made a controversial move and it's a little difficult to find, but they, they showed it. They did a, but they, in their defense, they did like a 12 minute piece on the person and uh, on Hank gathers himself. Uh, ESPN took some flack and like, what? We made it freely available for everyone to show. No one else did. No yeah, one else. Why would they? I, I, yeah, it's it's not graphic. It is just right. a dude collapsing, and he gets up and says, "I don't want to. I don't want to lay down. I want to get up." And then is taken off the court and is pretty much dead there. Mm. But uh, yeah, young man, he mm-hmm. gathers. R.I.P. Brother he had a big career ahead of him. But uh, okay, bring it back up. Puppies, kitties, at least none of the ones in this Nuclear house. Nuclear submarines. Nuclear submarines. <laughs> there, there we go. Because it's uh, there's only one big movie to talk about, and it's a biggie. Uh, who do we got here? Tim Curry, Sam Neill. James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Alec Baldwin as uh, Jack Ryan, whoopsie daisy, mm-hmm. and Sean Connery in Hunt for Red October. The Russian disappeared. Invisible. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington and New York. Stolen. He's defecting. The Russians know this, which is why they've been trying to sink him for the past two days. The hunt is on. Now you want us to help you hunt him down and kill him. Battle stations. Give the man a chance. From the director of Die Hard. Torpedo is an acquisition. From the best-selling novel by Tom Clancy. We sail into history. The Hunt for Red October. March 2nd. Boom. Uh, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But what? We, really? Yeah, we, I talked to Sam a little bit about that on the president's thing because there was some article, some scholarly article I read in the mid-90s that how the president was portrayed as the enemy uh, or the higher-up conspiracy dude in like almost every movie, especially in a lot of Jack Ryan movies. He's either complicit or complacent in a mm. bunch of the scandals. But uh, but Sam has always loved this stuff and tried mm-hmm. to like get me into it, and I just can't do it. It just I don't know. Yeah. Hunt for October oh, never did it for me. So I remember great. watching it as a little kid. Like, can we please put Problem Child back on? Uh, oh well, because you're a little kid, and little kids are stupid. Oh come on! I had a lot of good entertainment back then. But Hunt for October, I never. Yeah, it's it's never hit for me. I don't get it. Oh no, uh, I I think this is a solid ass movie. I would like to see mm-hmm. more movies like this mm-hmm. in that it's an action movie without a ton of action. Mm-hmm. It's a thriller that's not actually scary. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of uh, it's sort of a mystery, but not really. Like the people in the movie are trying to figure something out. They have a mystery, but we know the whole story, and so it's the conflict of like, are they going to figure it out in time, or is this all going to go to shit? Mm-hmm. Uh, from what it from is what I, fun as hell. From what I remember. Sean Connery is a Russian. They have an interesting device. Mm-hmm. It shows them speaking Russian. The camera zooms in in the beginning and then pulls out. And like, now nah, they're all British. And they all have and, different accents. Yes, they all have yeah. different accents. You understand that these are Russians now. Yeah. Uh, and that he, he's, he's gone rogue with a nuclear submarine. Mm-hmm. Where 
I mean, as the trailer said, even the Russian government wants to bring him down. And what are they trying to figure out? How to get the submarine back or why he's doing this? Mm, a little bit of remember. both. A little bit of really? both. Yeah. And I mean, it's... he's got a super secret secret sub that is totally silent. And it's the very first one that they have. And he tells his crew and everything like, we're going to test our secret sub. But really, he's trying to defect. Mm-hmm. He's trying to take take the sub over to the Americans. But the Americans think, uh, this looks like a rogue guy coming to attack us. The Russians are telling us the story of, he's a rogue guy coming to attack you. And it's like, can we figure out that he's not actually coming to blow up New York? That mm-hmm. this is actually, uh, you know, them trying to come to America. And then how do you cover that with the Russians? Because you can't just tell the Russians, hey, we got your sub! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Jack Ryan's like, desperately trying to convince everyone like do not blow this guy up mm-hmm. he's here for us and he's like figuring it all out is, like is this Jack is the Ryan anniversary on... of his wife's death he's Ooh. not on the sub no okay no. <laughs> I, I, you know, my memories get very confused like how the fuck would jack ryan infiltrate a submarine no. but no. they're all in that's... dark rooms with it's true yeah light. well that's part of the thing is that he's just an analyst he's a he's a theor- he's a thinking guy he's a theorist he writes papers he doesn't go out there and so that's part of the fun of him just having to go out you know on like a helicopter and like we're gonna drop you in the sub i guess Ah, we're running out of gas i don't know oh don't don't jump in the water oh he's jumping in the water oh the sub's got to come pick him up oh no it's (laughs) like you have three minutes before you fully die in the water and he's like okay bye he's like i don't want to but okay (laughs) i there is at some point a line where Someone's like, what does he know? He's just an analyst. And it's like, well, kind of everything. Isn't that the point of being an analyst? <laughs> it does make him an odd action star. I, I didn't even know this yeah. until I was well, seeing not- someone on Bumble and they were, she was like, I'm digging into the new Jack Ryan season because I'm a political analyst and this is like our Superman. Yeah. And I, I was like, I, I didn't even know what his job was. He is in a lot of places without being elected to anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that old Jack Ryan. Yeah. This sometimes he's shooting guys. Sometimes he's just arguing with guys. And this mm-hmm. is this is the first Tom Clancy adaptation of any kind. Bingo. And yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's not just is the it? first Jack Ryan appearance. I had to triple check that. That like no, Tom Clancy had not worked anywhere but books. Oh wow. At this point, but he's a producer on this film, and it's just an instant success from the get go. Mm-hmm. So much so that like Diana partially eats dining out on Tom Clancy's name being in front of the games. Michael has to do work with. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah well that's the thing i remember i did read the book i think as one of those like grabbed it at the airport kind of things the book was huge mm-hmm. and it gets into like some it, it really is there's a lot of military porn in there about all the cool things that are cool planes we have cool aircraft carriers cool oh these are so cool it's like okay because that's tom clancy's thing it's it just, really oh, is yeah Cool. He's your uncle obsessed with Lincoln, believes everything Bill O'Reilly says. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know much about the man himself, but like it it is an interesting trajectory because it, it he actually, you know, is involved with in his lifetime involved with way more way fewer films than you would think, mm-hmm. but they were just incredibly this movie was so successful mm-hmm. in 1991 oh, yeah. people loved it and i mean it there is a micro genre of submarine films that people <laughs> love i know i think that's what i can't yeah. get into it's like yeah i mean There's... Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea but that's hardly a submarine sure film. then you got you five seven one das booty call das boot yeah mm-hmm. um other the stuff. Abyss. K-19, The Widowmaker. <laughs> K-19, The Widowmaker. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that. 
And uh, other stuff. Titanic. Titan- what? Okay, I guess there's a submarine in it. Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, Godzilla, there's some submarines in there, too. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like, mm, a submarine movie is just a really long bottle episode. <laughs> and, uh, oh, uh, Red Red Crimson Tide? There it is. Uh, yes, there Crimson it Tide. Is. Yep. But, but this is the one that I think, I mean, other than Das Boot, like, sort of started that being a subgenre at all. And, uh-huh. I, and looking, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I should have wrote that in the <laughs> intro. Sean Connery kicks oh. off a subgenre. Oh. Love it. And, uh, <laughs> but it it never got more successful for Tom Clancy. I don't think in terms of money and uh, and, and audience yeah, in terms I mean, of I Hunt for October. It maybe plateaued. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, mm. I mean, Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games mm-hmm. were still very successful, I think. Oh, yeah. Those right. I saw, like, mm-hmm. may have seen one of those in the theater. And, like, yeah. I don't remember a second of any of those movies. I get them all confused. Sam, yes. of course, is a huge fan, so mm-hmm. I've seen them all. But I do get them all mixed up. Like, one's got Ireland and one has South America. That's all yes. I really remember. I remember a guy with yep. a, 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 a brownish guy with a mustache. That must mm. have been Clear and Present Danger. Mm. <laughs> that's that's about it. That's about it. These these are like so not for me. These types of movies. Mm, I like them. Espionage. I just can't remember yeah. anything that ever goes on in them, or yeah. like what the actual story is. Mm-hmm. I just like the vibe. I think you like the Harrison Ford finger pointing era. Oh, I Clancy do like movies. that. I I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. I like a shouty. This is wrong. This is wrong. You point to the whole room. <laughs> I, I like a shouty, a finger pointy um, Harrison Ford, which I think is probably just his personality, a notoriously yeah. prickly man. It's <laughs> so reading about with Star Wars recently. What do you think of this and that that you've done? I don't give a shit. That's Harrison Ford. <laughs> which is wild when you consider the man a has or had a earring. Does he still have it? I think so. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. also is and or was married to Callista Flockhart. I think they might which, still be together. I went back and yep. rewatched Ally McBeal, and mm-hmm. you cannot imagine a more frivolous <laughs> lady situation. Like that whole show is. The opposite of Harrison Ford's vibe, basically. I think it's a projection. And one of the things I love about him is when Peter Mayhew died, he wrote, like, he's always flippant and, like, I don't give a fuck about Star Wars. And mm-hmm. Peter Mayhew died. He's like, this guy was my partner throughout mm-hmm. three films. I love him to death. Mm-hmm. And it was it was so nice. And I think it's, A, an act, and B, he's he's uh, not even, like, boo- I think he's, like, older than a boomer. He's, like, in his 70s. Like, mm-hmm. it's not cool to, like, why are we talking about Harrison Ford? That's <laughs> true. Why are we? <laughs> Well, I guess he played Jack Ryan twice as many times as Alec Baldwin did. But I'm, I've become fascinated by this period right now of, like, our stars are emerging. Like, we're, we're suddenly growing a bunch of new stars. Like, I talked about yeah, Denzel Washington just come out of glory, like, boom, we have a new star. And this is kind of Alec Baldwin's biggest thing, man. Kind of, Like, yeah. Adam in, uh, what, Married to the Mob and Beetlejuice and uh, the Working Girl. Where it's just, those are smaller parts. And now he's like, action star man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and it's like, oh, okay. I mean, it won't stick around for as long as he maybe he wanted it to. I think he was. He was. That's kind of not who he is. Well, I, right. I think it's he not. he was grown to be that person. There's this great SNL sketch starring Alec Baldwin. I'm guessing he helped write it because he's that kind of guy in SNL. It's about a being a handsome man actor and a mm-hmm. guy on how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. he was groomed to be that dude. And like, it's it's like, no, you're too good to the point of it being cheesy. Like, if you can. Place you playing a villain, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want to see him in. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, this his action period that followed this is hilarious and bad almost across the board. Yeah, I find I feel like John Hamm kind of took notes from Ooh. uh Alec mm. Baldwin's career and kind of said, Okay, 
I'm a handsome man actor who also has a gift for comedy. Mm-hmm. Probably doing a bunch of serious action is not going to yeah. be my bread and butter. Although, you know, I mean, he's going to John Hamm is going to be in the next um, Top Gun. So but he, has, we'll he, has very, he has very few leading man roles, I think, on right. purpose. So he doesn't get Alec Baldwin. Like, right. Yeah, I'll work, I'll work a, a quarter on every movie I'm on and do six of them a year. Yeah. Word. And then I'll do some silly comedy stuff because yeah. my best friend More is Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on for Rudd October. Can't he, I'm telling you, it's, I think it's, it's dull. It, I never forget how dull I found it as a little kid. Like where mm-hmm. I'm just like watching the TV and I'm, I'm following it, but I'm just kicking my legs like, when is this going to be over? That's all I can remember. Uh, I mean, there's no. a lot of people sweating and looking at each other. That's for sure. Yeah. With yeah. red lights on their faces. But it's still great. Yeah. I think it's – if you thought it was boring as a kid, then watching it as a grown-up, might you might like it more this time. I mean, mm. I, I rewatched it because I hadn't seen it in, I don't know, a better part of 15 years. And I was like, this thing moves so quickly. Mm. It, Got a nice solid pace. You never, I never got too bored. I was always just when I started to get sort of like, I don't know. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's the new sort of the chess match continues kind mm. of thing going on. But yeah, it's it's just solidly made. Mm-hmm. It is just solidly made. And we're talking so long about it because it's the only movie that's out this week. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's how yeah. you make a bunch of money. You used to be able to find, oh, there's no nothing out this week. There's certain people who go to theater every Friday. Let's well, do this. I think because the book was so huge. Oh, that's that true. I think everyone got out of the way. Mm, okay. That I, Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. I can't even think of a book adaptation that has done something like that in recent memory. Yeah. Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. That's, I said recent memory. Hunger Games? <laughs> Twilight. I said recent memory. <laughs> For real. Like, it's just it's just been a minute since, like, someone's, it's like Fifty Shades of Grey was Ooh, the yeah. only one I could think of. Yeah. And, like, everyone hated that movie. Even the people who saw it. Yeah. Hmm. But Hunt for Red October, it it begins in so many ways, uh, and yeah. yeah. All right, can we move on How to television? How many Tom Clancy properties do you think there are now? Oh Lord, have mercy! A jillion. It's I swear it's not as I don't think it's as many as you think, except for the games. Like mm-hmm. Ubisoft has kept his name. You technically can't say the division without saying Tom Clancy's the division. That's the title of the game. Homeboy's been dead for a decade. Mm. And <laughs> it's mm. like Ubisoft releases like two Tom Clancy games a year because people who like the content of his books, it makes a lot of sense in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wank to military shit and uh, arm maneuvers this way, pull the hammer down, semper fi, like you're going to love video. The video games Tom Clancy was involved and he was very involved. Uh, anyway, uh, we can talk about yeah, that more. In the... I, I don't know. There's Rainbow Six. There's Ghost Recon. There's Endor. There's Division. There's Splinter Cell. Damn, die. Squad. She knows where her bread is buttered. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking around my own room right now. I'm just like, <laughs> and when well, he... there's Splinter Cell. That's right. That was the mortgage payment last month. And when he was alive, he worked on those games. I think his son like consults on the games now. Okay, moving on to television. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, I don't even know if I should play this, but I remembered this episode of Doogie Howser, MD. Uh, use a Slurpee, go to jail. Yeah, once I looked into <laughs> it, I do kind of remembered this one too because it was like, oh, well, to be fair, almost every Doogie Howser is a very special episode. It but... is, but this is particularly heavy-handed <laughs> yeah. and, ho- and hilarious, but I think that's why I remembered it because I Doogie Howser was not... It was almost my age, but living in an adult world and having to confront feelings of prejudice against black people in this episode. 
uh, what's his Max Casella? I forget his. I forget the character's name. Vinny? He's Vin, He's working in a convenience store and it's robbed by a enormous black man dressed like Easy E from NWA. It's and he's cl- <laughs> he's also very clearly like a classically trained actor. <laughs> yeah. So it, so it, it makes me laugh, but like there's stuff to take away from it. But like this is the entire scene of like Emmy award winning ham fisted. Over like overdone performances about race in the nineteen oh, in nineteen ninety. No. Oh boy, uh, that's oh, the no. clip I got. But then they become at the end of this. He's like, I can't, I can't see you. And then he removes his easy sunglasses and his fucking I love Compton hat. And then they all dance to Young MC's Bust a Move for like a minute. What? It's, it's, <laughs> but what? I remember. But because of all this, I, I remember, remember this episode. That part. The, uh, a guy comes, a black guy. And it's important that I say that comes in and robs a convenience store and then takes. Neil Patrick Harris, Max Casella hostage. And oh. and then he looks at his ID and he's like, you're a doctor? And he has to, I love that Doogie Howser has to ex- explain the premise of the show to someone in the show <laughs> who's like, what? <laughs> Black man can't even get a job most places. Now they're making rich white boys doctors as soon as they learn how to drive. Hey, they didn't make me a doctor. I worked hard for that. Nobody gave me anything. Man, open your eyes. You live in a house that don't need bars on the windows. You got food on the table every night. You live on a street where ain't a drug deal on every corner? You got plenty, Doc. That's what I have to live with every day. Not too much chance of me becoming a doctor anytime soon. Why not? You go to school, you, you can work hard, go to college. Yeah, right. I joined the Reapers when I was 11 just so I could get to school without getting beat up. When I get there, teacher's too busy being scared to teach. Who's going to pay for me going to college, your old man? There are regular jobs. People have them, you know. Yeah, well, they ain't me. Because don't think you know me or how I got to live. Because you don't. You don't know me at all. You think we're all the same. We walk down your street, you're moving to the other side, checking your wallet. Police pulling us over. No other reason than because we black. I watch TV, I see all kinds of white people. Businessmen. Lawyers. Doctors. Only time you see me is on the 6 o'clock news being dragged off to jail. I'm your worst nightmare. You're scared to death of me. Why shouldn't I be? You come in here hiding behind a pair of shades, waving a gun in our faces. How the hell am I supposed to feel? Doogie, calm down. Wow. <laughs> and then he, re- he removes his glasses and hat, and it has a tender moment. This is there's a great point behind this. I mean, I'm sorry that speech yeah. is still relevant today. It, no, no, it's it's incredibly which is relevant. It's sad. It's also just heck writing. It just like it oh, all. Oh, man. Why are you screaming this at this child? For, this is a TV show though for children to it watch. It is. With it's their teaching parents, you a good so lesson. But I, I, and I remembered it, and I went back and watched it, and felt like sharing it with you because I thought it did still have a message. Yeah. But uh, but mm-hmm. like nothing they said to one another beforehand set any of this off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, but yeah, it, and then it gets there. They become fast friends, and we never hear from this person again. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I hope Doogie Howser's rich daddy did send him to college. It, actually, no. It's at the end. It is uncomfortable because it's like, hey, Vinny, do you really have any black friends? And he's like, sure, I do. Mm-hmm. No, no. Do you really have any black friends? And uh, even I was like, ugh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to confront this right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, moving on to something even blacker. Wesley Snipes in a television mm-hmm. show you've never heard of. With David yeah. Caruso and John Mahoney. Three people yeah. you can't imagine hanging out in the same room. No. Frazier's dad, no. Uh, the fucking who yeah guy with the sunglasses, yeah. and, uh, and Passenger Blake. 57. Yeah. And and they're all on a show, 
at the time was pretty novel. It was sort of like the idea of the three branches of New York, what you call it? Mm-hmm. I don't want to say law enforcement, of uh, fire departments, emergency services, emergency services yeah. police, mm-hmm. uh, ambulatory, blah, blah, blah. And it has a great cast. It lasts all of six episodes. Help, H-E-L-P. Mm-hmm. It's an acronym. Stands for uh, Harlem Eastside Lifesaving Program. It did not last very long, yeah. and I couldn't even find nope. the fucking intro. Well, no. Nope. Now Shonda Rhimes is doing it, so it's fine. Well, they, they said it was yeah. ripped off almost directly by the show Third Watch that lasted yeah. a little while, because yeah. it's ah. the same concept. And yeah, I just love I love when I see these total failure of shows. It's like, do you know how expensive this cast is now? No, no. And, oh, the, yeah. and the show <laughs> the show looks really expensive, and it's just like, well, if, if, you could, if you knew you had this cast... Mm-hmm. At the t- you had Wesley Snipes do a television contract in 1990. Mm-hmm. Give it a seventh episode. Oh, we'll talk about <laughs> Wesley Snipes later in this episode, actually. But um, actually, this show is being done now really f- in a very fun way. It's called 911. Yes. I talked about it before. Mm-hmm. I still am a fan of it. It is wild and campy yes. and so much fun. Okay. So I recommend <laughs> it. It's all the... EMS life-saving services, plus the people at the call center, which is very fun, too. Am I going to get uncomfortable <laughs> by the uh, incident? No. Well, TV depends. movie. I don't even know what this is. Are you a Nazi in World War II? Okay. I thought this was going to be sexual har- harassment. I no. guess I'm looking at the name of the 2020 lens. No. Um, this and is I... your CBS Sunday movie starring Walter Matthau, Susan Blakely, and Robert Carradine called The Incident. Uh, I think the promo pretty much gives you the story. Please tell me Walter Matthau is going to go on the speech about Jews are inferior. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be disappointed. Damn. They ordered him to represent a Nazi prisoner of war. How in the hell can I defend a German for killing an American? I can't do it. In a case no one wanted solved. I'm going to send him to hang. This is the United States of America. Oscar winner Walter Matthau, Susan Blakely, Harry Morgan from AT&T, The Incident. Sunday, March 4th. Wow. AT&T already getting into content. (laughs) It's Uh, a fun way to remember, too, that... Oh, yeah, a whole company would sometimes just be like, this is our movie we're presenting to you. Yeah. Like, that is such yeah. an old-timey concept, and I right. kind of forgot that this still happened, they, but it's they, still happening in 1990. They sponsor it like a Disney ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a, it pretty much tells you, but it's a prisoner, a German prisoner of war who is kept on a base, a military base, and then kill, is accused of killing uh, someone on the base. And so Walter Matthau has to defend him. What? I'm a horrible public defender. I got to defend someone I don't personally agree with. I'm going to assume he probably has a drinking problem. That's kind of right. <laughs> no, now. that's how, yeah. that's how yeah. Walter Matthau sounds. Um, but actually, this went on to have two more TV movies in the Another 90s. incident. A couple, two more incident movies with Walter Matthau. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. Things. Yep. I don't even, has he made a trilogy? And I think I read too that uh, this is like his return to television after, mm. what, two decades probably right. off the air? Grumpy Old Man hasn't oh, happened yet. Yeah. He's not a movie star again in right. the most weird way. Right. Oh, I, you know what? I might have to watch this, and Chris, I think you do too, because okay. it's directed by Joseph Sargent, who made Taking a Pelham 123 with him. Oh, I love Taking a Pelham 123. That movie fucking rules, so I like these guys together. Oh, I do, and I love, I have a weird love for Walter Matham. That kid is a menace. I don't think it's weird. I think it's very uh, appropriate. Oh, he's just, I've never known him not to be jolly. 
sure. and and on yep. the fifth, even when he was young, he was jolly. Yeah. If you watch him in movies from like the early fifties, it's like mm-hmm. you're still old. How is that possible? I, I remember you're like twenty five and you're jolly. I was watching that movie with him in it, and Jack Lemmon, and then it was kind of skewered in the Dolomite movie, like. This shit ain't funny. <laughs> the front page, and then you can you can hear Walter Matthau yell the f word a couple times. <laughs> this wonderful <laughs> accent, which I won't do here. On the fifth of nineteen ninety of March, uh, his and hers premieres a semi terrible looking sitcom with Martin Mull about two people who are they're not only married, they're doctors. What? Mm-hmm. Two doctors share more than just their office. Anything can happen. I've got palpitations. I'm hyperventilating and my blood pressure's going through the roof. Look, we're not MDs, Mr. Buckley. We're marriage counselors. Okay. My marriage ended a half an hour ago. Happy now? Martin Mull and Stephanie Ferris, he prescribed the perfect romantic comedy. Take me. His and hers premieres Monday, March 5th. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. That looks dreadful. I love it, mm. but the promo music just makes it sound like they're handing out prizes at the skating rink. <laughs> <Yeah. Right. laughs> uh, moving into... I, I'm, I'm playing fast and loose with the video games again we'll go more in depth on the dates and details in the patreon show patreon.com slash laser time with the video game apocalypse boys where we dig through an entire month's worth of 30 2010s games from people who have worked in the industry collectively for over 30 years damn we're old hmm. uh but the a space invaders sequel is out i know uh, padukin oh. may have just talked about it um if you listen to padukin the arcade focused video game show on the laser time network space invaders days of Res- day of resurrection for the turbografx 16 in uh Clax comes to arcades. I'm not sure when the exact date is, but it is the last game to come out on 2600. Clax is the game where you just play as a hand that throws stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Oh, yeah. For the power game. I remember that. Mm-hmm. It's a good puzzle yeah. game. It's yeah. I, I believe it was Atari's replacement for Tetris because that was an immediate success, and they, they lost the rights almost immediately. And like, mm. fuck, this puzzle game went over with the audience bigger than almost anything we've made in years because mm. it's, it's depth and simplicity. Anyway. Uh, 1990 music. Here's some new releases by Riot. Uh, the Privilege of Power is out by them, as well as the Caution Horses by the Cowboy Junkies. And oh, what a lovely Janet Jackson song is that number yes. one that we get to close out with. Um, hey. Escapade. Every time I see a fucking Cadillac Escalade, I start yeah. singing this song a little bit. Uh, I don't know why it hasn't been sampled. Come on, rappers, what are you doing? You talk about this car constantly. True. <laughs> uh, Escapade by Janet Jackson's number one. We will close out 1990 with that. But after that, stay tuned because we got to talk about 2000. Stay right there. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Two seconds ago, Matt Allen sent me, uh, also listening to bonus time, Chris, no more sports talk from you. Nobody is better than Jordan. LeBron is great. He is no Jordan. I have to agree. Who, I don't know. I don't who know. Who the fuck about is basketball? supposed to really know that? <laughs> it was used in a Star Wars argument. The idea that, like, uh, the idea that there's a Luke Skywalker out there means everyone will be better than Luke Skywalker because they will know what he knows. 
and do do what he does and trains with who he trains. Never watched LeBron throw a ball. I have no idea what that looks like. But homeboy well, wins MVPs. It's the. I mean, I think that's the problem with sports in general is that uh, when you put like the sports greats of the past mm-hmm. up against the sports greats of now, just what knowing what we know about athletic science and physical science and medicine. How can anyone compare to anyone else? Right. You know, like mm-hmm. growing up when S- Sam, who who was the most famous baseball player? Are we little little kids? Uh, Babe Ruth. Well, yeah, yes! sure. Babe Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> it was a giant. Thank fat- you for fucking answering for me. A, Sorry. A yeah. giant fat man. <laughs> yeah. Like he smoked was the, cigars. Yes, was the best baseball player of all time. Because it turns out the game is stupid, not that hard. And the, the like. The, 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 well, then, and after that, it was Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, right. and then they both are dope to the gills. Right. So, like, yeah. who it knows? Fuck. And fuck. I mean, like. I collected baseball cards, so there might be some nuance here, but nobody really wants to do it. <laughs> I personally find baseball very annoying, and my best baseball moments are from watching uh, the first Naked Gun movie. <laughs> Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. What is is with this constant parade of Delilah Rock uh, coming in with goddamn Lone Star uh, of Amazed? Baby, I'm amazed by you. Yeah. Uh, I I thought I hadn't heard this song, and then you, I did. I don't listen to anything yep. with that much slide guitar in it, so I don't, I don't know. Ow. Welcome to 2000, everyone, with Lone Star. <laughs> I was kind of into that song. Of course you were. Let's yeah. all slow dance awkwardly mm-hmm. in middle school gyms. Pretty much. Yep. The principal's going to come up and put a balloon between you two if you don't separate a little bit. <laughs> yeah, make room for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Gotta make room so everyone can see that. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> 2000, uh, March, or February 28th through March 5th, uh, new music releases, Dashboard Confessionals debut. Yes! Way! This song, this album, was a big deal for I me. Know. It was a big deal for everyone I mm-hmm. dated. Yeah, <laughs> man was, or woman. It's all the men you dated were super into it. Um, yeah, no, Swiss Army Romance. I know all the songs by heart. Mm-hmm. I can still really mm-hmm. belt them in my car. I love Dashboard Confessional. Love. I can't. Not I can't ED. do it yet. I still love Dashboard Confessional. I, I don't. I don't hate I, Dashboard. It's just one dude, right? It's his band, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's one dude. Chris Caraba. Uh, is it the Swiss Army Romance? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Because this is another one of those bands, like, if I had the music, it was from, like, a legally stolen MP3. Mm. I can't tell you a Dashboard mm-hmm. Confessional album. I could name you songs. I had to order yeah. it specially from the, like, record store in my town. No. Really? Yeah. Is, it was that? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't mainstream at all. Like no. as, as much as much fun as we're making of it. No, just, it was not. Nobody, no, not in two thousand. That's no. for sure. Nobody knew about Dashboard Confessional when I was listening to Dashboard Confessional, which is a real <laughs> cool thing for you to say. So, how did you find out about it? Like some sad tribute uh, on E Bombs World. I had a subscription to Spin Magazine. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, 
wow. Hard Pivot, Two Against Nature by Steely Dan. Their first <laughs> album in 20 years. I'm sure it gets a Grammy just for existing. Mm. Uh, it gets so many Grammys. Oh, I was joking. <laughs> oh, my guess. God. It gets so many Grammys. And everyone's like, well, I guess my dad's happy. Because my dad was happy. Him or him or John Mulaney. Like <laughs> I heard him going off on how much he likes Stately Dan. Uh, uh, the that, tr- oh my god! What? Yeah, watching like Oh Hello on Broadway, and it's like they come in with a Stately Dan song, and I'm like, Yep, know that one. It's kind of a deeper cut, and then it comes back up during the show, and I'm like, Yep. <laughs> like was just baffled watching it. I'm like, uh huh. I'm following along. You want to know what the next cut on that album is? I know because my dad listens to three albums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the truth by Beanie Siegel is also out, as is the Naked Self uh, by The The uh, Machines, Machines of God by Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, Ma- it's Ma- Machina. Machina slash the Machines of God by Smashing Pumpkins. I don't know if that's the album that. There's that fucking sprint iphone commercial i'm watching tv while i'm editing mm-hmm. in the background i'd like is smashing pumpkins in a 2020 commercial for the iphone mm-hmm. and they are showing off mm-hmm. their night camera capabilities is that off this album i don't know uh hooray for boobies by the bloodhound gang mm-hmm. <laughs> why did you close your eyes and sigh at the bloodhound gang mm, i just have a very bad a very awkward memory of taking a road trip with my parents mm-hmm. and What's the name of the song? That bad was Touch. The Bad, bad touch. touch. Coming yeah. on the radio in a area where they didn't bleep anything. So I had never heard that song fully unedited. Mom, Dad, what's X-Files and Doggy Style? Yeah. That's exactly how I sounded. <laughs> I was doing Hope. Okay. <laughs> That's one of the songs where it's like, well, this is such a guilty pleasure. Mm. I love this song so much. No, they're, they're a huge guilty pleasure. It is... Incredibly silly, but indefensible yeah. as far as music goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, musically, not great. Catchy. But yeah. Catchy. the lyrics sometimes are like, well, this is actually, you, you threw in a lot of complicated rhymes here. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dumb, horny true. dude. I'm embarrassed. White dude Nobody look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Stiff Up Her Lip by ACDC uh, and Resurrection by Bone Thugs in Harmony. Mm. Um, it's and Harmony. They're not in Harmony. It's and harmony. Oh, three things. Oh. Uh, I I'm just making that distinction now to myself. Ignore <laughs> me, because uh, in 2000 there was bigger news afoot. The PlayStation mm. 2 debuts in Japan. Uh, it's not in, in, in America till October, but it sold almost no. a million units in its first like two days, and it would go on to sell over 150 million consoles, becoming the best selling console of all time. Hmm. The figures wow. 150 uh, 155 million. Are inaccurate. It's probably it's likely way 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 more than that, and I can't. It's we'll never see anything like the PlayStation Two again, because if you don't remember, it's following up the PlayStation, the debut console of Sony, which tears its competitors apart. It immediately becomes a brand you have to follow. And their next console, remember this DVD is new, and it's like our shit has a DVD player in it, and it's less than a DVD player costs. So everyone I knew got into DVDs oh, through the PS2. Wow. Most, sorry, most boys. But like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you had not only the newest game console from this awesome brand, the ability to play the tiny laser discs, <laughs> cheap laser discs <laughs> uh, uh, on this machine that should have cost you $300 but, but didn't. Wait, I think it was 300 but whatever. It was the price of a DVD player. They tried it again with the PS3. didn't totally work, but... I don't think anybody's going to be able to do that again. You're not going to be able to debut a game console and like it also does. It also chops and blends. Like yeah. you, you're never going to be able to do that. It cuts hair. <laughs> I didn't. 
I didn't realize when the PlayStation 3 came out, and it's like, and it's a Blu-ray player, and it's cheaper than a Blu-ray player, that they were just doing what they had done already they so did. successfully. And because they, I, I never knew that. Because they owned the Blu-ray technology and were selling them for over $600, that made the PS3 at launch $600, and yeah. people got fucking pissed. Uh, but this is mm. this is the the first time I remember consoles a real scarcity. eBay having people pay over over a thousand dollars for a new console because they were very hard. We'll talk about that more when it comes to America. It's not out yet uh, because I think that's that's the the debut I remember. And I thought this was silly. Um, just watch Space Jam again. My favorite one of my favorite parts being Charles Barkley. I just think I really love Charles Barkley in okay. general. Yeah. And yeah. I can't. Believe, I just wanted to highlight this. Charles Barkley announces this week he'll join TNT as an NBA analyst. Uh, he's been doing that maybe longer than I ever saw him play basketball. He's been calling highlights on TNT. And at the same time, Kathy Lee Gifford announces she will step down from live with Regis and Kathy Lee. Oh, wow. I can't oh, believe it. No. What will we do? It is a little weird. I, yeah. thought, I thought Kelly was there for longer, but I never saw a frame of the show that wasn't in another show that I liked, yeah. like The Simpsons or Arrested Development. But yeah, but goodbye, mm-hmm. Kathy Lee Gifford, even though I think she has a better gig now. Yeah. Doesn't she work for like 10 minutes on She's the Today Show? Day drinking yeah, on the Today Show. drinking on the Today Show. <laughs> <laughs> Looks great. Oh, God damn it. Uh, I want Charles Barkley to be on Live with Regis, man. Yeah. He, he's he's an, actually a funny guy. He's an oddly capable SNL host. There was a <laughs> yeah. short time when I was like in school where I would catch Regis and Kelly. And I have to mm-hmm. say, they had great chemistry. Dude, him and him yeah. and Muggsy Bowes in on SNL and Space Jam, like, why wasn't this like a comedy team? They should have been cops <laughs> together. It would have been wonderful. Uh, because I lo- it's really hard to frame them to get them both in the same shot. That's, That's why. <laughs> because point, Muggsy Bowes is like what, 5'7", something like that? Yeah, so that's Stuart Smalley's sketch of him apologizing to Muggsy Bose is so fucking funny. <laughs> anyway, movies of 2000, <laughs> the 28th of February through March 5th, Whole Nine Yards is still number one, and wow, we really... Why? We, <laughs> we really get to talk about Audition now. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, we have mostly terrible movies to talk about next, mm-hmm. but we do have to mention uh, <laughs> Audition. Audition. Takashi Audition. It, that 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 brought I me. Can't. It introduced me to Takashi Miyake. Uh, yeah, I always love quoting the box quote. It's the only one I've I've remembered forever. They called it a sadistic breach of contract between filmmaker and film goer. <laughs> the first yeah. forty five minutes of the movie. I'm a lonely producer. My wife has died. And the guy's like, well, why don't you create an audition for a part that doesn't exist so you can find your perfect wife? It was 20 years ago. Relax. He wasn't totally Harvey Weinsteining, mm. but he was mm-hmm. trying to figure out people's personality so he could find the one, not mm-hmm. to just fuck somebody on the couch. And he thinks he does. And then it turns into this thing where she, she binds his feet, rips out his toenails, sticks nails in him. <sighs> and then it's this massive piece of torture porn for throughout mm-hmm. the next half. It is an adorable yeah. romantic comedy and then turns into something almost irredeemable, but very watchable. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And before we called things torture porn, I feel like we can call this the first torture porn because it's I've never been able to get through it because I am I am so squeamish. I'm such a wimp. But yeah, at first it's just adorable. Like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna this way I can meet girls and just try out like, oh, get to know them and you know, it goes on a date and she seems pretty nice, but then he starts checking up on her references and it's like, oh, that that business she worked at doesn't exist. And 
that's not there. And, oh, they haven't seen her in years. Oh, that's weird. Oh, wait, there's a guy missing. There's a dead body with extra fingers on it. What? <laughs> and then find out. Oh, it, it goes so much further than I just described. She's it is. so messed up. Mm-hmm. And she gets mad because you promised to love me and only me. But I found a picture of your dead wife in your house. Mm. So now let's get out the, the piano wire. And start losing some limbs. <laughs> it is so, so yeah, I, I couldn't. It's worth watching. I couldn't fucking do it. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I haven't watched anything like that in a while, but I I did follow the director into other things after that. Ichi. Yeah, and no, Takashi. Uh, yeah. yeah, Takashi Miike's. Mm-hmm. He's a very interesting director, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just fucking sadistic it is so sadistic yeah, it's a cruel you... thing to do to an audience to actors to to even race mm-hmm. it's cruel especially like and I, I i meant to i never saw how they marketed the film because it is like a a pitch perfect romantic comedy for a long long time oh, so like if you're watching this on television after like nine o'clock you could i don't know you're in for a real treat um <laughs> And uh, out next uh, is, Jesus Christ, George Wallace, E-40, Dag, David Allen Greer, uh, Vincent Schiavelli, uh, DeAndre Bonds, Faison Love, Inbush, how do you say that name? In Inbush, Inbush, Wright, and Brian Hooks in Three Strikes. I'm going to do whatever it takes not to go back to that place. <laughs> you going to pick me up from jail in a stolen car? I got two strikes already. What did he do? We have late-breaking news on the Harbor Freeway shootout. One suspect was shot in the buttocks. Do you mean something? Hell no, you can't give me nothing. The second suspect still at large. Where have you been? Oh, well, I'm a grown and this man. Is... I got... <laughs> Finally, a comedy about our wonderful Three Strikes program. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. know where that exists. That it can't be a federal law, but I can see a bunch of no. uh, wacky states no, trying to follow it. Yeah, it's specifically about California straight, three strikes law. The idea that, like, well, if you convict three felonies, that last one comes with like twenty to life. Yeah, mandatory no matter what. And we've fixed it a little bit, so it's like supposed to be three violent felonies. But yeah, a lot of people's third strike was like for total bullshit, and mm-hmm. it's a terrible law, and we need to get rid of them all across know. the country. And the more Instead I... of making wacky screwball comedies about a guy <laughs> that's like, oh, he just got his second strike, and and then he gets mixed up in this crime, but he's not has nothing to do with it. But if they catch him, he goes away for life. It's <laughs> not funny. That's that's horrible. That's injustice. Written and directed by DJ Pooh. It is. Hey, DJ Pooh, uh, Grand Theft yeah. Auto San Andreas writer. And uh, yeah, Friday you writer. You can do better than this, DJ Pooh. Mm. Come on. And I, Come on, I, you did Friday. He did Friday, but that's a slice of life, baby. It, it, this, this is a lot sillier than Friday. And Friday had uh, silly moments. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is terrible reviews. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pulling something like a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Oh, wow. Everything here has terrible reviews, yeah. except for one of them. Yeah. But uh, you won't be yeah. seeing that one. This one, I remember, like, I couldn't believe how awful this was and how With mean this an was. amazing it was so mean. Yeah, it's very... I, one of the first lines in the movie is like, oh, that girl looks really hot. My daughter, she's only 13. Yeah, finally. And like... <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like, wow, all right, that's how you want to start your film. Uh, William Fichtner, Casey Affleck, Jamie Lee Curtis, Bette Midler, and Nev Campbell, and Danny DeVito and Drowning Mona. What's wrong? Oh, Mona Dearly's dead. You're kidding me. No. We gotta celebrate. 
the meanest person in town just died. Did your mother suffer from any medical conditions? She had a personality disorder. Ow! And the chief of police All right, nobody move. is finding more suspects than he knows what to do with. Drowning Mona, a killer comedy that's all about taking out the trash. What are you going to do? you got to hit me. Ah! <laughs> Rated PG-13. Mm, trailer's a huge spoiler. I think I'm going to go on a diet where I only watch movies marketed with Smash Mouth songs. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. Uh, I, I have nothing positive to say about Drowning Mona. But if you uh, do, lasertimepodcast.com uh, laser or 302010.net, please let us know. I was so disappointed, though, by trying to see Danny DeVito and Bette Midler in a movie together, but they're never together. No. Like, I wanted a Ruthless People reunion. Mm-hmm. Did Danny DeVito not write this? Did he? No. Oh, okay. Nor direct. Okay. Even okay. though this is sort of in his wheelhouse. He does yeah. have a track record with trying to make black comedies that end up just being terrible. <laughs> you're you're shitting on death to smoochie. I just met, like, like, like 20 people who showed up for a revival screening who think we're nuts that death to smoochie is bad. But uh, mm. I, I think if it's if you're a little younger and it's your first it's your first exposure to a dark comedy like that, I can see it. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to watch it again, but I don't care to see my dog skip. Yeah, I no. skipped this one. Oh, oh. oh. but uh. it's like the only good movie in 2000 we have to talk about. I mean, yeah. relatively it's the only one with like more than 50 percent positive reviews. Mm-hmm. Cody, Boy. Cody Lindley, Kevin Bacon, Luke Wilson, Diane Lane, and Frankie Muniz, Malcolm. With my dog Skip. From best selling author Willie Morris comes a true story of the secrets they discovered. You know who's buried in here, don't you? And the adventures they shared. Go get him, Skip! Get that kid. It's no use, kid! I'm gonna find you! This January. Get that dog out of here! What a minute. I want to make my own trailer. A dog can't be a president. <laughs> there's nothing, Mr. President. There's nothing in the rule book that the says the dog can't be the rule book. Dog, dog can't drive a car. Dog can win a baseball game. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything I read about this, I, I admit I didn't go back to watch it. I feel bad because it does have pretty good reviews. Is that yeah, the marketing makes it look like you know that darn dog, mm-hmm. but it's actually like more sweet natured coming of age kind of stuff in there it gives you some feels at the end uh you know it's about like growing up in the 40s with him and this cute little dog and they get into shenanigans but then like they learn lessons and you know just every review is like this is very old-fashioned but well done children's mm-hmm. entertainment mm-hmm. i was always turned like, off by the okay. cover because there's just that picture of frankie muniz making that face that's like oh huh? me huh? Is, there's mm, a, a booger on my lip yeah <laughs> Uh, and and I, w- I always kept assuming I know the dog dies at the end. I know it does, and I don't think it does actually in my dog's game. Oh, okay. Um, but I hope. Well, it's uh, probably dead uh, now. So does this character Aww. die at the end of a movie starring Benjamin Bratt, Rupert Everett, and Madonna? Uh, I wish. Yeah, the next best thing. Actually, I'll tell you who died at the end of it. The acclaimed director died at the end. Oh, of really? It. All right. Yeah, I'll get to it. All right, let's talk about this piece of shit. I want you to be the father of my baby. What happens when your best friend becomes the father of your child? We're never getting married, so we can't get divorced. Are you telling us you're straight now? Rupert Everett. I love you, Sam. Madonna. Is he a good father? He's the greatest. Why aren't you sleeping in mommy's room? And yesterday, he was only five. In the story of an American family. You know why I don't sleep with her? Because she snores like a great big old helicopter taking off. 
The next best thing. Rated PG-13. Okay, I remember why this is mm-hmm. weird now. Uh, this took me a second. Madonna has this a... Is Madonna's starting to British her accent. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think having yeah, a little bit of... There. Pitching something she'd wish would happen as she has a baby with her gay best friend. Mm-hmm. Right. Why wasn't this just my best friend's wedding part two? I, I can easily like see they that. They even tried to give her Julia Roberts' hair. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The th- yep, they gave her Julia Roberts' hair and they they gave her Joan Crawford's lighting. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. that It's it just one of those things where you notice it and then you can't not notice it. I was watching this like on a Bad Movie Sunday type thing. And I noticed she always has sort of like a, a light sort of across her eyes. She's lit very distinctively, mm. literally like Joan Crawford used mm. to be lit. And there's a point where it's like they're having a hard custody battle. Like, oh, but I love my son. And she like stands up and you can see the light follow her up and then sort of overcorrect and come back. Like, there's that's a guy's job is to give Madonna perfect lighting. <laughs> this movie is just it's a it's bad and it's embarrassing. Oh. Yeah. Madonna and Rupert Everett. Uh, that's her gay best friend. And then they will like screw because they get really really drunk and then they have a baby together and it's like how can it make this work and then she falls in love with benjamin bratt and what are you gonna do it's like you can't take my son from me but no and it's terrible and there's like a good movie to be made out of this but this is terrible and it's also the last film directed by john schlesinger who did midnight cowboy and sunday bloody sunday why (laughs) everybody's gotta work oh yeah it's too oh, bad because, like you said, it could have really been a good. Uh, it's got a good story, especially for the two thousands. Mm-hmm. You know, when we just really we're starting to talk about like gay rights mm-hmm. and you know gay people having families. Gay it's just not a thing that you see a lot at this point. If you're gay, you lose your baby. That's how it was in the two thousands. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, know. like there's even a way to do this is a comedy, but of course they've got to have a subplot. About, like, Rupert Everett's got a friend with AIDS, mm-hmm. played by Neil Patrick Harris, being serious, and then he's going to die and everyone's sad. And it's like, can we have a movie with gay people that don't have AIDS subplots? For fuck's sake. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, this is a mess. I mm. hate this. I hate this so much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel... Do not watch the next best thing. It's it's so bad. I feel similar. It is so bad. Similarly, the, the next movie, because I remember people were like, what the fuck is this movie and why is, is the cast so good? Okay. And it's like, oh, it's Mike Nichols. Yeah. That's why. I watched this movie in preparation for this television or for this it's, podcast it's recording. It's tough. It has and moments. It, is. Oh, it does have moments. <laughs> it, That's the thing. Well, first of all, I love Gary Shandling. It's written by the whole Larry so, Sanders crew. Uh, yeah. Peter Tolan and Gary Shandling. There are places where you can really tell. And I love Gary Shandling mm-hmm. so much. And. It is just so weird. It is just so, yeah. it, it's unsettling at yeah. times, but then also some parts I'm like, okay, this yeah, could it's something work. That, that tastes bad almost every second, but I can't stop eating it because I've never yeah. tasted anything like it before. Yeah. It's a mainstream yeah. comedy that's very, very odd. Yes, and it mm. involves it, an alien who comes to Earth. It's a mainstream right. comedy that's very odd, but then also. Like the jokes and the way it's shot makes it feel like an indie. Yeah, yeah, especially. Mm. I don't uh, know how to... I love the 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 whirring erection joke. That, um... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get old the eighteenth time. <laughs> <laughs> but John Goodman, Leonard Fiorentino, Ben Kingsley, Greg Kinnear, Annette Benning, and Gary Shandling. And what planet are you? What a what planet are you from? What a terrible name. title. Somewhere way out there lies a planet inhabited entirely by men 
a planet facing extinction. Their only hope to send an emissary to mate with a woman on Earth. Your training will be extensive. Show your interest in the female when she speaks by repeating the phrase, uh-huh. I went to the store this morning. Uh-huh. The success of our planet's domination of the universe rests in your hands. Hi there. Hey. You're shaking. I thought we were going to crash. I like it when a woman shakes. Turns me on. I've got to have sex. I have to have it right away. I'm getting mad. Did you notice anything peculiar or unusual about him? There was this strange humming sound. What was that noise? It's coming out of your... From the front or the back? It's his front dick that's built by his alien race to procreate to save the all-male species. He doesn't make any sense. I don't know. There's a fun Mm. movie here, I guess, because it's like... Let's highlight the differences between men and women and how funny it is yeah. that straight people try and get together and make a life for one another. But it's it's so weird. It's really and like weird. occasionally like high like there's too much budget in this. Like <laughs> hmm. I might, but have in un- other ways it looks super cheap too. Yeah. Like it's weird. It just I, I don't hate this. I don't just know how I, to explain I, it. I think it's one of the oddest movies <laughs> I've ever so seen strange. in my life. Yeah, I don't hate it either. Mm-hmm. I it I watched the whole thing and I was. Entertained isn't the right word. I just think perplexed. <laughs> Fascinated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fascinated. Could look by away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus, yeah, like- perplexed is good. It's like I, I got like a couple chuckles here and there, just sort of incidentally, but mostly I was just thinking there's so many talented people involved. Mm-hmm. Like I love everyone involved, from Mike Nichols and Gary Shandling especially. Why did any of them think this was a good idea? Mm. I, it was it was the talent involved. I don't know how many other movies Gary Shandling has written or bothered to write. Yeah, and uh, and, and like and that makes me sad because I would have liked to see some Gary Shandling movies out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean a big but part of the why? reason why I watch this is because I miss him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I miss seeing yeah. him around, and I hate that he's not here to make new things anymore. What's because... that Apatow documentary? It's lovely. I know. It's lovely. I know. Uh, um, but also, yeah, I mean Janine Garofalo pops up in this Judy Greer who's like, you know, baby Judy Greer mm-hmm. shows her boobs. I was surprised Woo! by. Spring break! Spring break! <laughs> she did it first here, y'all. Yeah, it's bizarre. She, but I she shows her boobs a lot, actually. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I wouldn't not recommend it. <laughs> mm, I, I think it, it, there's a part of it that feels so weird in indie, but it is not a satisfying movie, but it right. is weird in a, in a pleasant way. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's not it, mean, which is good. Yeah, I, and you think it's going to be like, and it's there are there are jokes that are. If they're crying, you've reached endgame on woman, yeah, and like it doesn't like, really do that. It it does and it doesn't. It does it in like a Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. like Gary Shandling way that does not make my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. And then you know there are jokes in it that are like crass but they're not distasteful <laughs> I do I'm like the, so I'm trying he, to parse this he so has a mechanically built <laughs> erection that he doesn't know when it's going to go off and it makes a sound when it when he gets hard and it's usually funny I laughed at the part where you know he's like kind of fighting with Annette Benning. they kind of build a relationship and then he starts worrying she's like oh give it a rest already <laughs> like, <laughs> oh god if a woman could hear you get hard oh my god that would mm. suck <laughs> oh but yeah, it's hard. I can't recommend the movie, but like, I'm glad I watched it because yeah. it's it's so strange. Uh, yeah. I, I wish there was a cult fan base for it, that but it it's kind of impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not quite good enough to be cult or just 
unrelentingly bad. Yeah. Right. What planet are you from? I ask that all the time. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I a, ask that of this movie. Yeah. Why? What, what a bad title is also, so. yes, could have been an easier. Anyway, I'm going to move on to television because there's, there's so very much to talk about, mm-hmm. including something I found that was just absolutely lovely. Uh, I Am Weasel airs its last episode on Cartoon Network on the 4th of March in 2000. That mm-hmm. used to be part of Cow and Chicken, got its own show, made for yeah. almost 80 episodes. I'm, I can remember it. Um, if These Walls Could Talk too, uh, the movie with Vanessa Redgrave, Ellen Jenner, Sharon Stone, Michelle Williams, and Chloe Sevigny. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was this one about? Lesbians. Okay. The other one was about mostly about yeah. abortion. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was three, three separate stories about abortion in different mm-hmm. time periods. This one's about gay couples, mm-hmm. wh- wh- les- lesbian couples in different time periods. Mm-hmm. Um. One of, one of the sections I thought was really good, the one with Vanessa Redgrave, I remember being pretty devastating because it's about back in the day, you know, it's like the late 50s, early 60s and, and her partner dies, but like the house is in her name and the partner's like asshole nephew shows up, uh, played by Paul Giamatti, and it's just sort of like, well, you guys were fun roommates and all, but I guess you're going to have to leave now. We're going to sell the house. I'm the next you goddamn motherfucking <laughs> Yeah, doesn't understand like, no, they were married in every mm-hmm. sense of the word except mm-hmm. the legal one and it totally sucks and she has no rights and then the last section is about uh alan degeneres getting to make out with sharon stone a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> feels like she was a feel like she was, she was a producer yeah on this. for sure she was <laughs> yeah yeah well they're they're trying to uh get pregnant through artificial insemination mm-hmm. and they always have to have sex while you're doing that well mm-hmm. yeah. i mean it's more fun that way i mean you gotta prime the pump yeah. <laughs> and uh, michelle williams and chloe Sevigny are like 70s lesbians yeah seems really easy back then college, college age yeah as long as you don't it's mind hair easy. all good <laughs> nah, that's true all good and on the fifth also on the fifth on hbo another one of my favorite sopranos Ooh, episodes ever this one. Uh, yeah. full every episode has been our favorite i know it's only it's, it'd be more appropriate if we were doing a soprano style show but i love the villain of richie april the guy who can't yes. uh, he comes out of jail is I need to get what I'm owed. Can't seem mm-hmm. to adapt to this guy who was a kid now being his boss. Mm-hmm. And but in this episode, he makes one big gesture to appease Tony. And in his mind, Tony shits on it. And I love that sequence. He gives him a jacket. I took it off this other guy. And, something DeMeo, Ralph DeMeo. Yeah, or yeah, took yeah. it. I took it off this uh, this crazy Joe Gallo. I know it's mm-hmm. a real guy, but excuse the impression. And I I fucking took it from the fit show. It looks great on you, Tony. You should keep it. And then he goes over to Tony's house, and he's not there. And he just watches the maid's husband walk by in the jacket he gave him. Mm-hmm. And there's that slow pan of his face getting enraged to Sting's Field of Gold playing okay. on the radio in the kitchen. <laughs> I do want to talk about that for a second. But before that, yeah, I mean, the it's such an interesting contrast in like old school, new, new school with Richie mm-hmm. and, and um, Tony because mm-hmm. – I think Richie's thinking I'm making this huge gesture yes. in my mind. That would have been such a big deal. I know I did a billion bad things, but I did guys. one good thing. Yeah, and it didn't giving work. you this jacket from the '70s, mm-hmm. which, by the way, nobody in their right mind would wear in 2000. Right. Like it looks <laughs> wild. Yeah, Tony is wearing a triple XL bowling shirt yeah. right at that yeah. point. It doesn't Why go does well. Want, with like 70s a pleated, se- like belted leather jacket and and it's such a big deal for richie and you know he's making this symbolic gesture and to just see it be like shat on Mm -hmm. for him i feel like kind of feels like the last straw fucking spit in my face and then but then on the other hand richie's or um no the two little guys 
Oh, Christopher's. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Christopher's guys. Christopher's little guys. Jackie Jr. They're, they're tapping safes together, one of whom has very bad gastrointestinal I, yes. issues yeah. and has to poop <laughs> on the floor of every place he where they tap shit a safe. every time he commits a crime. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, Imagine if you had to do that, you torrent downloaders, you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they start to get tired of being super low on the totem pole and they want to kind of leapfrog a little bit. So they decide to make a devastating mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the episode ends with, how could this happen? Yeah. How could this happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they basically decide they're going to take out Christopher. And I, it's one of those things I love about The Sopranos because those guys are operating off of mafia movie logic. Mm-hmm. If we shoot mm-hmm. the guy ahead of us, odds are we'll be appreciated and exalted. And like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Matthew Bevel Aqua. And uh, <laughs> Richie is infuriated. They're like, we did it for you. It's all for you. Oh, I wanna, I've always wanted to, I want, I want to chase someone out of my house and throw a bat at them like Richie. Just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of those out. little guys does not make it out alive. And um, another one of those guys committed murder in real life. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he did. He's the kid who was in a Bronx tale. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to Sting, <laughs> that is one of my favorite little parts of this show is mm-hmm. that we get to see Carm just being like the most basic, horny, yeah. ignored housewife doing all these <laughs> like fun, like hot, hot housewife things. Like she's just hanging around the house in the middle of the day. Ordering her housekeeper around. Yeah. Sketching in a sketchbook and listening to Sting. Like... <laughs> 2000 was great if you're a mafia wife. I know I say that a lot about but like David Chase hated what is it non-diegetic music or like the idea of overlaying Mm -hmm. a dramatic movie score to manipulate your emotions so one of like the most tense things happen to Fields of Gold playing off of an in-camera radio. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I've always like, I like the song more now that it's in this scene. Oh, yeah, me it's, too. Like, it, it really fits. Like, that is Carm's personality where mm-hmm. she's just hanging out, listening to some sexual sting so- singing, <laughs> yeah. sketching. She's always wanted to sketch, you know, <laughs> since she was a little girl. Yeah. It's a great episode. Love this and episode. A little bit of a cliffhanger. Yep. What's going to happen to Christopher? Yeah, you can't really. I in my rewatches, you can't really watch just this one. You got to go yeah. in the next yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. You got to go. Which does right open on with one. one of the few episodes that opens with a song. Mm. Um, the next. And movie, oh, I don't even think we mentioned the title because it does full, have a good fun pun title. Full, <laughs> yeah, full leather, leather jacket. jacket. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. And. And the next movie, this is one of the weirdest premises for a Disney Channel movie I've ever seen. Apparently, it's famous to, ha- to have a sequel, mm-hmm. but a little baby Lindsay Lohan and a, a little 30-year-old Tyra Banks. Let's see if... I don't know if this promo explains the premise. Sunday, Tyra Banks is a living doll. I'm alive. It's not possible. Trying to make it in the real world. You're not going to throw me away, are you? With the help of Parent Trap's Lindsay Lohan. You don't know the first thing about being human. Together, they'll learn what life's about. You have so much to offer. The wonderful world of Disney. Men back home are so good looking, but they're so stiff. Life Size, ABC Sunday at 7, 6 Central. Okay, it's... Oh, my God. It's just that, like, a doll gets brought to life. Yes, yes. But it gets brought to life because Lindsay Lohan's mother has died two years ago, and she buys a book of spells to resurrect her mother from the grave. And oh, through through a, a DNA-based accident of the woman using her mother's hairbrush to comb the doll's hair, she accidentally brings the doll to life using her DNA. 
Wow, I did not let's, know that let's was Let's not the get premise. crazy. It's science and magic Whoa. and possibly combined together. But she's trying to bring her dead mother back to life and ends up bringing Tyra Banks' doll, Eve, to life. The doll, Eve, would have a sequel <laughs> like yes. 10 to 20 years later. I've never heard of this movie in my life, but it has its fans. Mannequin. Yeah, no, no. It's, okay. And she has to become a mother, like a mother figure. Both have to become mother figures. It's. It's absurd. Life size. This is a big. Jesus. This does have a big cult following, though, mm-hmm. with a certain group of millennial women mm-hmm. who watch this a bunch growing yes. up. The women and, who love Anne Hathaway and anything because of Princess Diaries. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I kind of missed out on that group, but I know that it is like it's a big cult movie. Yes. For I'm a lot not of trying people. to invalidate your opinion. I've complained about the still not quite human trilogy not being on Disney Plus. So your your opinions are valid too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm. I am baffled by this mm-hmm. furthermore i am baffled to find out that life size 2 a christmas eve is from 2018 yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah and that as recently as february 24th tyra bank says they're working on number three yeah yeah it's, it was huge this year she just said this i i think if you look at the cover of the yeah. dvd it gets immediately familiar mm-hmm. like you've seen this mm-hmm. you've seen this in every video store and every best buy your entire life and it's probably much bigger than i'm giving it credit for mm-hmm. But whatever, I was 20 and a boy, so I'm not watching this. Uh, and I wasn't watching a couple of other things. I just thought this would be real fun. Um, on the second on ABC, Drew Carey show airs uh, What's Wrong With This Episode 3. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. What a great Yay. idea. Genius. The idea that like uh, you have to – there's a billion things in this episode that are going to be shot wrong. You have to write them down and submit them in via the internet or even by snail mail to win a, win a prize. Uh, and it'll be things like all of a sudden Mimi will be a puppet mm-hmm. um, or something like that. Or someone will be played by a different – the show opens up with Ryan Stiles playing Drew Carey and Diedrich Bader playing Kate. Mm-hmm. Teehee. <laughs> yeah. So the Norm MacDonald show steals that and does it, in my opinion, a billion times – like – if there's an actual story in the Drew Carey show episode that is not done good service by like being wacky and everything like that. Like you should have had just like a throwaway one-off story, but it continues the story of Buzz Beer mm-hmm. in this weird episode with hundreds of things happening incorrectly. This is the Norm show does something so subtle. Diana, I'm not kidding. I really think you would dig it. Uh, it's called okay. Norm versus Fear, which involves Norm confronting his fear of the doctor um, after he throws out his back. And everyone else, he'll agree to go to the doctor if everyone else will confront their fears in one big group therapy session. Whatever bullshit. Here's the premise of the show. It is similar to the What's Wrong With Everything Drew Carey show. Hi, and welcome to the Norm uh, Movie Contest, where you can win a brand new Chevrolet Monte Carlo and a trip for two to Los Angeles. Where you'll get red carpet seats at the infamous VIP viewing section to watch the stars arrive at the Academy Awards. Plus, that night, you get to hang out with celebrities at an Oscar party. Right, so throughout this show, whenever you hear a line or see a prop or a costume like one from a famous movie, you jot down the exact line, prop or costume, and what movie it's from. For example, I'm wearing ruby slippers like the ones from The Wizard of Oz. So it's it's more subtle. You can enjoy wow. the episode without knowing this. And because of the way it's written, yeah, people will laugh like a fake, st- but it's like, it comes off like, well, this just sounds like a normal sitcom. So unless you're a deep, deep movie nerd, and by that, I mean, you have to have watched a lot of stuff before 1990. This will be hard. Wow. Like this will be really hard. So this, that's Laurie Metcalf as well. <laughs> Dame Laurie Metcalf, one of my favorite uh, sitcom actors ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is an example of the dialogue. The, it starts off immediately with this, one of the cast members eating a muffin. Oh, oh, oh. 
I'll have what she's having. So mm-hmm. you guys all know yeah. what that is, yeah. but like it just that's a perfectly acceptable two thousands generic sitcom joke. Laurie Metcalf. Mm-hmm. I love Laurie Metcalf because this is a little more subtle. Uh, nothing, nothing. Uh. No, you, oh, you've hurt your back again, haven't yeah. you? No, that's not true. Then bend down and pick up your wallet. Uh, uh, that's all right. I'll buy another one. No. <laughs> I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. So no laugh, but a subtle Jaws reference that you might have missed if you didn't write it down. Mm. Like, I, mm. I fucking... There are... The YouTubers have counted over 70 wow. in this show. I can show wow. you. I can show you a montage because Artie Artie Lang is afraid of peeing in public. Mm-hmm. There are three in this. Let's see if you can you can get the movie references here because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> afraid of peeing. Damn it! I can't do it. I've lost my mojo. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Don't leave. You talking to me? You talking to me? Listen, if you stay, I'll give you five bucks. What? All right, make it ten bucks. Just watch me pee. <laughs> show me the money. You're under arrest. Oh. Come on, man. You don't understand. Norm, get over here. I'm getting arrested here. Come on. Hey, 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 wait. I'm going. Look at that. I'm the king of the world. So that's 30 seconds. Yeah. Taxi driver, Austin Powers, Jerry Maguire, and Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. Reference. Yep. Yep. So again, it seems like it's just a terrible sitcom, but it's like, holy shit, there's a quiz. And Norm said I could win a fucking Chevy. Did anyone win? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I've, I've always wanted yeah. to do a laser time where we follow up on, did anybody actually win these things? Buried deep in those rules, mm-hmm. there's shit that, like, well, no one has to win. And you can yeah. accept a much cheaper cash prize if you don't want to go to the Oscars. Hmm. And I can see why you might. Um, I would like to go to the Oscars. But, yeah, the Norm yeah, show. That's I, pretty good. I'm looking. I, I love it on, on uh, IMDb. I was hoping to see, like, oh, there's a list of all the things that people found. And is half of them are just rifle on the wall? Question mark? Yeah. Egg-shaped seat and background? Question mark? Like, whoever put this list up did not, doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, but but, well you have to, you have to see like, it. The Cain Mutiny. And, yeah. and seven-year itch. And, like, like 42nd oh, Street. I and might like, have to watch this. There's numerous Star Wars references that, like, are kind of out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Uh, the Force is strong with me. Like, like... <laughs> Yeah. That, kind of like that. But then, like, someone walks yeah. by, like, just in the background wearing a bright yellow Dick Tracy hat. It doesn't disrupt the scene. It's just mm. in the background. Wow. So it's, it's, nice. and Drew, Drew Carey's show, to its credit and discredit, will completely disrupt the show mm-hmm. for these references. So, like, I don't know. I felt, I felt bad watching the episode because, like, if you don't want to spot everything missing in the episode, it ruins the episode. Whereas the Norm show, you can still enjoy it whether yeah. you know there's something happening or not. And, mm-hmm. uh, and good idea. Tying it all in with Walter Matthau, it looks like they threw in Sunshine Boys. Ah, threw in <laughs> Sunshine Boys. And da! <laughs> yeah. And uh, games of That's two- a joke for three people, and half of them are dead now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here's a joke for people who are on the verge of death video games of 2000. Nothing. Well, Need for, <laughs> Need for Speed, Porsche Unleashed, finally a game focused only on Proshes. Yay. Uh, Rayman 2, The Great Escape. This is why I like doing the show with um, Matt and Michael because this game is so important and I don't think it ever gets its credit. It's really good. It kind of defined Rayman. Rayman, the first Rayman is 2D and kind of forgettable. This is 3D before a lot of games were doing that and Mm -hmm. it did it well. It's been released on a billion different systems in a billion different ways. Uh, But Rayman 2 solidifies Rayman as a character we still have today. Sword of the Berserk is out as is Pokemon Stadium, the storyless game where you port over 
your Game Boy Pokemon saves into the N64 with a controller adapter to bring your leveled Pokemons into an arena and just start fighting one another. It's technologically brilliant. It's uh, uh, artistically lazy. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, let's head out of 2000 with, of course, Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang. Uh, I love that song. Uh, we'll be right back with 2010. <laughs> See you then. <laughs> and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of february 28th through march 5th yeah i got a one of those minor recommends it's like oh this isn't like gonna be one of the top 100 best movies of all time but like it's a fun watch and i like it a lot so 75 years ago this week march 3rd 1945 saw the release of the picture of dorian gray uh directed by albert lewin starring george sanders heard hartfield Donna Reed and Angela Lansbury, who's seriously, I think, 18. Uh, I think it's her first movie. And it's weird because it's like, well, I recognize that Angela Lansbury, but somehow she's hot. I don't know. Anyway, Picture of Dorian Gray is, of course, the, you know, adaptation of the horror novel by Oscar Wilde about, you know, a ne'er-do-well, rich, fancy dude who's got, he's cursed. Uh, He's got this picture where, like, the picture keeps aging and he doesn't and it's like showing all the the meanness that's inside him and stuff and this version does something that's especially fun and that the movie is in black and white except when you see the portrait the portrait is all of a sudden this boom pop of bright technicolor and it's like it's a good punch in the face effect that's like there's no other i don't know how you could do that in like a color film or anything it suddenly went 3d but you didn't need glasses i don't know but uh, i think it's probably the best version of this story there've been seriously like seven or eight different versions of picture of dorian gray and they never really get the drama and they never really get the horror balance right so yeah the 1945 version that's my recommend for this week stay classic Coming into 2010 with a, oh man, the damn Yankees of hip-hop collabs. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Fed up by DJ Khaled featuring Usher, Young Jeezy, Drake, Rick Ross off of the album Victory. That is out this week. Uh, Welcome to 2010, February 28th through the 5th. Uh, we have new releases from Frightened Rabbit with The Winter of Mixed Drinks, as well as uh, Smoke and Mirrors by Lifehouse, uh, American Ghetto by Portugal the Man, the concept album Black Ribbons by Shooter Jennings, Hierophant and Stephen King. That Stephen yes. King? That's yes. Stephen King. I thought he yes. p- played exclusively with Gary Larson of the Far Side. <laughs> yeah, I guess Stephen King couldn't get Amy Tan on board for the Rock Bottom Remainders tour, right. so he had to work with Shooter Jennings instead. The Rock Bottom Remainders. I can always remember the band, but never the band's name. (laughs) (laughs) If you've ever worked in a bookstore, you'll remember that name. Mm -hmm. 
And we got Plastic Beach by Gorillaz, as well as Brother, the first Boy Zone album in 10 years. I really missed Boy Zone. What the mm. fuck is Boy Zone? Unclear. <laughs> it's a boy band. Oh, okay. Think they're Irish? Yeah. Um, but none of them can us unseat Ketch's TikTok. Look forward to that in your Simpsons intro everywhere. Uh, Still yeah. going. And on the, a little bit of news I thought could bring in 2010 uh, to show you the time that has passed, Oprah had a show. Um, <laughs> and Roger Ebert was alive and made his first public appearance uh, on Oprah after losing his ability to speak. Wow. Um, I, but I thought it was pretty courageous of him. He didn't really hide from anyone and mm-hmm. did a lot of public speaking, for lack of a better word, uh, after mm-hmm. the cancer took his jaw. Was mm-hmm. it? Yep. Uh, yep. Took his jaw. Uh, cruel irony. Uh, Roger Ebert, a man I think has a kind of a great legacy despite certain things. I'm sure people my age, uh, he hates video games. Yeah. Roger Ebert's cool. Um, speaking of cool movies, uh, 2010 movie, Shutter Island is still number one. Um, but we also have two movies here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one much bigger than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with Alan Barkin, Lily Taylor, Wesley Snipes, Don Cheadle, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Richard Gere, Ethan Hawke in Brooklyn's Finest. From the director of Training Day. This is your first day, kid. You got 20 years of days. This job takes enough out of you. Don't take it home. I love you. Richard Gere, Don Cheadle, Ethan Hawke, and Wesley Snipes. The street's got an expiration date on them. Life is too short. Look me in the eyes. We'll work this out. Brooklyn's Finest, directed by Antoine Fuqua. I forgot I might have seen this. This movie's actually pretty good, yeah. honestly. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's better than I thought it was going to be, which sometimes for me upgrades that to a pretty good, yeah. you know? No, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel you. I was pleasantly surprised by it. I think all the acting is great and the stories are compelling and mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit tropey and cliche sometimes. It's sort of like, oh, yes. I feel like I've seen some of this before, but yeah, it's well acted. It's well directed. Uh, I want to see Wesley Snipes work with Anton Fuqua more because, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like if any director could really bring out the the Wesley Snipes that I feel like is inside there, it'd probably be him. Mm-hmm. Watch it, the Dolomite movie. I, like. I don't know where he pulled that character from, but it was wonderful. Yeah, this is true. But yeah, I mean, Anton Fuqua did Training Day and then he did the what, Magnificent Seven remake and mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff. And yeah, he's a director I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And the movie yeah, Wesley Snipes doing uh, Coast to Coast on this one. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the movie most people saw, um, <laughs> whether you like it or God not. God damn it! Uh, Star studded Matt uh, Matt Lucas, Stephen Fry, Alan Rickman, uh, Michael Sheehan, Crispin Glover, Anne Hathaway, Hello Helena Bottom Carter, Mia. Oh goodness, Wiz Someone else. Mazokowska. Mazokowska and Johnny. Depp in the role that would define things for too long. Alice in Wonderland, number one of the box office this week. Alice, you're back. You're all late for tea. Alice has returned to Wonderland. Off with her head! Help us make the world right again. Of course I will. Alice in Wonderland. I need a pig here. I love a warm pig belly for my aching feet. Ready to be Friday. I found this to be deeply unpleasant. <laughs> I hate this. I hate it. I hate the way it looks. I hate it feels both gross and sterile at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't like this This, at all. I I I didn't make it through the whole thing. I thought I would. It's very unsettling. I thought I'd feel the same way because this is sort of 
the Disney re- remake thing that I I really still can't stand, and mm-hmm. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I wish I could see Mulan things the other way, huh? Mulan will be good. No, no, it won't. Yes. It, and it will, mm-hmm. There's no way it'll be better than the other Mulan, which looks more timeless and is better and more, more worth watching than the new one. It's just they're taking advantage of your shitty nostalgia, and someone else should take a new spin on it. And even this movie, like. It kind of does rely on Disney's Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. to some extent mm-hmm. because, like, it presents new information that's not in any of Lewis Carroll's book. Not that I care about that, but I should mention I consulted my friend Rachel, mm-hmm. who throws some movie some movie nights. She is uh, I, I found out recently she's the biggest Alice in Wonderland fan in the universe. She's seen every version adaptation Under the Sun uh, mm-hmm. and doesn't hate this one either. I didn't totally hate it when I saw it either. Now that mm-hmm. we're far removed, but I do. Going into Disneyland in like 2012, and and you would have thought like Johnny Depp's Mad Hatter was a new god, and everyone had yeah, to dress like him. It's like everywhere. And I watch him in this movie. I'm like, was people cared about this performance? Like, why? Like, this character is too consequential, but it is an inconsequential character in Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I yes, think he's just one of many weird ass characters and instead they make him like this big deal and you got to learn about his fucking background and his family and he's got to do an embarrassing dance and mostly just just want to crawl under the covers and hide Mm -hmm. so much of the time i even looked at tim burton's resume of like because this isn't like his first like remake or i'm doing a tim burton spin on this and that i was shocked to look at like oh tim burton has done more tim burton spin on things then he's done original things by a long shot. What there are, really? dude? There are more Sleepy Hollow, Dumbo. Uh, he remade his own Frankenstein or Frankenweenie. He, he did. Oh yeah, okay. He did Sweeney Todd, and like then there are Beetlejuice, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and Edward yeah. Scissorhands. And, and even if you consider Batman original joints, like he, it still is outweighed by this kind of stuff. But it's supposed the beginning of the end from of my love for Tim Burton, mm-hmm. and the beginning mm-hmm. uh, the beginning of the end for I don't know like Disney Disney. Take a chance with your live action movies. Adapt something cool or something a, a, a kid lit property or something. I hate these remakes, but my friend Rachel commended it for being liberal enough with the source material to make it worth watching over other adaptations. Mm. And I thought yeah, that was. I an- guess- yeah, I mean, it is doing something different, but mm-hmm. it's sort of, it's Lord of the Ringsing it up. It's turning it into an action epic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, you know, this sort of contained, goofy story that is. Silly. Um, I have one nice thing to say about it. In researching, I found out this is the only film with a sole credited female screenwriter to make a billion dollars. Wow. Yep. Uh, Linda Wolverton also worked on uh, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, the Maleficent movies. Hmm. Oh, but she's not the sole writer. No, she's a sole writer on this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I guess. Great great for her. Now, I don't hate the the design. I think some of the more jarring and Tim Burton-y, like, it is... It's too much. It's It's not a pleasant movie to look at. No, it's not, (laughs) which I I don't like. And I mean, isn't that part of the Alice in Wonderland deal? Is that you're looking at these fantastical creatures and things and your eyes taking in all these things you may never have seen before. And it's, it's built on the fact that, like... You've never seen this before. Yeah. Look at this fantastical thing. And so you want to see something that's not going to make your skin crawl. It's, it's like weird, though. Helen Bottom, <laughs> Bo- Helena Bonham Carter's weird head and eyebrows. 
It's, I don't want... Uh, no. It's shit like that, and it's not so bad now, but yeah. in 10 years, some of the CG is so egregiously horrific yeah. and like not ready to do the... Th- There's a scene where Crispin Glover jumps on a horse and then becomes a, a CG cartoon where like is so, is so awful and mm-hmm. so poorly done. Why would you have a human being just all of a sudden turn into the, like this weightless cartoon character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this shot that didn't need it? All he had to do was turn around on a horse. And and now he's moving too fast and doing things that a human being can't well, do. Well, and that that's part of it, though, right? Was yes. is that supposed to be the part? It's like supposed to look like a bad dream. Uh, well, in that sense, they sort of succeed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I found it deeply unpleasant. Because that that little Britain guy, like you know, he's still visible in Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Oh my God, yes. But okay, it's like yeah. it, it's it's to take a page from Sarah's critique. It is utter gobbledygook it is nothing matters everything's done for no reason mm-hmm. it's all done to like are we did we make it to our movie mm-hmm. oh keep going okay we'll keep going uh that's what it felt like to me yeah like, that's why it's a nightmare right. movie for me yeah. is because it, Does, it, it feels like all right everyone vamp yeah there, there's <laughs> nothing is happening for any reason mm-hmm. and and you could say that is that is the case of lewis carroll's original for sure mm-hmm. but there is a whimsical i, I would say in the disney adaptation like a care of time mm-hmm. and, 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 and screen mm-hmm. time and everything's pretty short done in short bursts and uh, it's all pretty beautiful as you're introduced to new characters but because there's like a motif here if you don't like it you're not going to like it from second one. Oh, and, and I did not I mean because it, it's trying to do that like look how creepy and gothic mm-hmm. we are where they just went one step too far into unpleasant like, and, they, and, or jarring. You don't, you don't have to have mm-hmm. the card characters. Those aren't like a huge thing, except yeah. in the Disney movie, if you want to color them crimson, make them something else. And or just now like, they're not playing cards. There are plenty of harrowing characters in the original, and they there can be in here, but at least make some of the set pieces and some of the characters be not a nightmare machine to look at. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize, like, just because I hadn't seen it in a while, that, that Johnny... People were all over, like, fucking Attila... Lita Battle Angel, which is, mm-hmm. I thought, a fucking great film mm-hmm. um, because of her widened eyes. But they do that to Johnny Depp here, and it's mm-hmm. never not unnerving. Like, I don't like it. I, sweet, a gap in his teeth, and his, his eyes are needlessly massive. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Unpleasant is a, mm-hmm. a valid critique of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Visually unpleasant. And I actually yeah. liked the um, the Charlie in the Chocolate Factory remake. Oh well, it's okay. Everyone's wrong. Wanted, yeah, I mean, and I know that I am in the minority of that. Yeah, but I actually kind of enjoyed that. So it's not like I don't like the remakes mm-hmm. of it all, and I don't. It's not like I don't like the sort of like. Mm, the Tim Burton flavor on it all. It's just this. <laughs> I know. I, I remember far. when the sequel, mm. Alice Through the Looking Glass, came out. And this is already a sequel to Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the sequel came out, and critics and people, I just, my response was like, I know. Why are you seeing this only in the second movie? All of the reasons you hate this movie are evident in the first one. And I feel the exact same way without having seen Through the Looking Glass. Mm. Uh, I, but it is everywhere. Yeah, it's in all merch, over the place. Which is, again, one of those things I don't understand. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah like, movie made for Hot Topic. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that, that fucking... And I'm happy to say, <laughs> having on a Disney last year, like, the, the hat isn't there. And, but it was like, it was fucking everywhere in 2012 mm-hmm. everybody was wearing the johnny depp mad hatter hat with the red hair coming out the sides it was mm-hmm. that i don't know why that was so annoying but it also like as a big giant disney fan and they're really good at like marketing their 
history and whatnot. Like, how did how did this get so big and then like to non-existent mm-hmm. in like less than ten years? How did Disney exactly do that? They're so good at like mm-hmm. you know. I went there and bought a Roger Rabbit statue, but saw no presence of this movie whatsoever, and it made a billion dollars ten years ago. Yeah, because they and, know like. This is not this is not staying power, but mm. we are going to money grab it as we, hard as we can. We made a very ephemeral film. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy while you can. And then we'll stop making the merch for it. It's fine. Don't worry uh, about it. Had some okay games, uh, but that we're I'm getting ahead of myself. We can move into television with that. Oh man, I didn't even I couldn't find a good uh, version of the the intro to the marriage ref. But oh, this man. is oh boy, it's mid season replacement time. Yeah. It does, but like. I looked. I had to look back at the history because it felt to me like this is television panicking mm-hmm. as its network television yeah. is losing viewers. We got to bring Jerry Seinfeld back. Uh, Sir Jerry doesn't want to come back. Well, he's a friend, Tom Papa, and he's happy to narrate the intro and get all his friends to be on the marriage trip. None of this is a bad show. It's just not a thing that sustains 45 fucking minutes. Well, it's mm. not a show for network television. Okay. It's a show for Bravo or VH1 or something like, you, that. like the first episode... The Marriage Ref was a show hosted by Tom Pop. It has a good new Netflix special mm-hmm. out. I think he opens for Jerry Seinfeld on the road. Very similar to him in comedy. I really, really like Tom Papa. Mm-hmm. But Jerry Seinfeld narrates the intro as in like, well, we're going to have real people with real marital problems and we're going to have a ref played by host Tom Papa with panelists who debate the problems of an average person's relationship several times a show. In the first episode, the guests are like, Ricky Gervais, Larry David, and Madonna. Yeah, yeah. Like, what What the fuck? Like, none of you should be doing this. Jerry yeah. Seinfeld is a powerful man. And uh, it's a, it's just seems so ridiculous. It's and all really this talent strange. thrown at this thing that, like, was like, yeah, I guess we could do this show. I don't care. We could do this show or me riding around with my friends getting coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, that show is perfect. Comedians and Cars getting coffee is a perfect, like, Netflix not for everybody thing. Whereas this was marketed as, like, Jerry Seinfeld's back. Everyone's going to yeah. love the marriage ref. Is not. Mm, it's, it's huge. And now this has become more of a thing that you see. It's a huge trend in podcast, mm. I feel like. I was just people. thinking I would prefer to listen to Anna Ferris's Unqualified or, than watch a minute of this. Or uh, if you want to hear a great podcast about marriage and relationship problems specifically, no. Endless Honeymoon with Moshe Kasher and Natasha Legero oh, is great. Yeah. I do like them. Yeah. Love them and I love them together. Or Judge John Hodgman or any other number of like <laughs> conflict resolving podcast out there. But this just had all the markers for this is going to make me feel awkward. Yeah, this is not going to last very long. I don't like this. But it has a lavish animated intro that you can only yeah. see in the first episode uh, that is all Jerry. Very, very much not Tom Papa hmm. and not evident of what the show would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in NBC is struggling news on the first. Uh, Jay Leno returns as the permanent and forever host of the tonight show for three and a half more years um great great move nbc <laughs> uh i don't want to make this the i hate jay leno podcast because we we're we're all <laughs> we're almost at the end of this tonight show so shaga we we are other yeah. than conan getting a show on tbs but jay leno comes back and it opens like oh i've been asleep this whole time what's happened ha 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 and <laughs> and there's like it's why I don't like him. You have fertile ground to talk about a situation that you were very much involved with, and you don't mention anything. Mm-hmm. And this is this is it. This is on the because remember, if I'm giving this too much importance, this was on the nightly news everywhere. Mm-hmm. This was something everyone was talking about. Uh, and this is them covering Jay Leno's monologue. 
Michael, it was a low-key relaunch for Jay Leno's Tonight Show. For his fans and even himself, it might have been an awkward nine-month break from the late-night time slot, but Leno was back in true form. I'm Jay Leno, your host, at least for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta admit, I'm a little bit nervous. Not because it's my first night back, because I know Dave and Oprah are watching. That's it. The, the, the entire year-long saga that he caused is never addressed again. And I consider, by the way, Betty White and Jamie Foxx, everyone who appeared on this episode, to be a sellout. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'll never forget I'm, it. I'm <laughs> yeah. making the mm-hmm. Leslie Nope mad face right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. But Jay Leno's back, and everyone's... Happy, right, kids? Um, mm-hmm. He's the Michael Bloomberg mm-hmm. of talk show hosts. Uh, and, <laughs> and on the second Parenthood debuts, a show I would not be able to recognize if you showed me anything from it. I've never seen well, a second. I watched mm-hmm. a lot of Parenthood, and it's a great show. Great and it's got a million mm-hmm. people in it. Bonnie Bedelia mm-hmm. and Craig T. Nelson and Peter Krause and Lauren Graham. And, and uh, Go Away Bait and Dak Shepard. And <laughs> yes, and <laughs> Dak Shepard and... A million other really great people. And yeah, it's just a really good homey family drama. I think it's by Jason Katims, who I think also did Friday Night Lights, I want to mm. say. Um, oh. And so it's got a lot of those flavors in it. They said that was of... the inspiration for bringing this back. to. Te- this is the second Parenthood television That's adaptation. Right. You yeah. know what's so crazy is we get to talk about the first Parenthood later this year oh, for wow. 1990. That's well, weird. We're going to have dueling parenthoods. Well, the, the reason why I, I, I think I may like the show more than the movie because it's like parenthood. And the show is like nowadays a very irritating look at the life of having a family through the eyes of these incredibly wealthy and fortunate boomers. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, uh, my kids not liking school very much. Mm-hmm. Aww, it's so, oh, that's so bad for you, Steve Martin. Like none of this is really an issue. Whereas the show gets a chance to delve into everyone's mm-hmm. issues, mm-hmm. which I can see it being better and probably call it something else and pretend you just stole it from parenthood and save money. But Ron Howard produced both. So it didn't matter. Yeah. He's making mm-hmm. money all laughing all the way to the bank, but it went for like five seasons. Mm-hmm. It went for a while. Six. It six. Went, went six seasons. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that it, it comes out here in the mid seasons because it got pushed back because originally Moira Tierney was on the show mm-hmm. and was diagnosed with breast cancer while they were in the middle of filming mm-hmm. and decided to drop out to, you know, battle breast cancer. And, and she won. Yeah. Cause I love it's awesome because I love Moira Tierney. <laughs> Me too. But she was replaced by Lauren Graham. So they had to go back ah. and reshoot any scene that Moira Tierney had been in mm. and redo it with Lauren Graham. Which is like, oh, that's that sucks. But yeah. I guess it all worked out. I just I love seeing these TV drama people just pop up again mm. and again, like Lauren Graham and Peter Krause and wow. Maura Tierney and Craig T. Nelson. They just keep coming back for different stuff, and I mean, they're just our our good journeyman yeah, actors. It sort of flies in the face of every all the logic you were told with me growing up. If you're on a successful television show, you'll never be in another one because no one can see you as anything right. different. And now right. that's mm-hmm. totally not the case. Oh, the Fonz Krause. just won an Emmy for Barry. Dude, Peter Krause <laughs> has the best yeah. career. Yeah. <laughs> and he's married to Lauren Graham, so yeah. he fucking win, win, win. He's sports night guy, yeah. six feet under, six guy? feet under guy, nine one one guy, Truman's best friend in the Truman Show. Uh, uh, also on on the third, no, that's, not, that's not him. Anyway. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it is. No. Oh no, he's his no, coworker. Not. He's in the fucking movie. Okay, leave me All alone. Right, whatever. Uh, nip the Nip Tuck finale, a show I 
hate it. I should yeah. get Melinda's. He's in the garage. She made me watch a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is on the show. This is uh, after the Shield. So occasionally, mm-hmm. like we do, we do group Shield watchings, which is still one of my favorite basic cable shows. Uh, and this would come on afterwards. Eventually, this became one of the highest rated basic cable shows of all time in the mm-hmm. coveted demos of like eighteen forty nine. I don't get it necessarily. Cause I guess it's just it's really really pulpy and like yeah. soap opera super and, soapy and, and, and what really? i thought the, from ryan murphy yeah. it's pulpy i know I, but i didn't know who he was yet yeah, um, no no one did it. this is like yeah. a, his big breakout he did popular before that but that only went well, like two seasons on wb and glee was glee on Glee's later glee glee I starts think... later mm. oh right right yes you're right it starts absolutely. in 2009 yep yeah but nip tuck started in 2003 that's right We're yeah but this is I, I don't want to call it i'm not saying this is a negative but like a trash television mm-hmm. um yeah well yeah i'm not i'm not saying but just like exploitative on every single level not because it's bad but mm-hmm. because it like goes places that are really implausible but also like do they they deal with a fucking they're plastic surgeons who deal with a rapist serial killer for mm-hmm. three seasons mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for three seasons it is it is out there it is almost comic booky yeah and that guy who played Oh, what Troy? What? what I can't oh, remember yeah. any of this shit. I erased I it know. all from my brain. I know who does. But that guy was everywhere after, yeah. and then I have never seen him since. He played Doctor mm-hmm. Doom in the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. and I've never seen him again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nip Tuck, it was huge for a hot second. It was. Uh, yeah. I watched a lot of it yeah. until it got too crazy for me. Mm-hmm. And I tried to look in the last episode. Nobody died, but they they no. moved on. They mm-hmm. set up. They they split up the business. Mm-hmm. On also on the third. Some of you normies might not have been watching that because you're watching network television. So you could see uh, Law and Order SVU, where <laughs> star Kathy Griffin appears as a lesbian activist, mm. holding mm. up the head of the president. No, it's too not soon yet. for that. Too soon nope. for that. Didn't see that episode. Uh, also on, uh, I, dude, I forgot the channel, but this has been on so many different channels. I think Is NBC and TLC. No, it's gone. No. It, uh, uh, who, who do you think you are? Kind of one of the most blatant pieces of product placement I've mm-hmm. ever seen because mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. specifically sponsored by Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. And they bring on celebrities and basically give them like, I would guess, like a six-figure Ancestry treatment to advertise this product. Yeah, I can't imagine mm-hmm. a more boring show, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, you'd think so. 11 but seasons. I watched this and I watched um, Finding Your Roots on PBS. That's what I'm and they about end up roots. being crazy pants. Huh. Because some because you dig long enough, you end up with some sort of crazy story about like this black ancestor moved to Oregon back when it was literally legally whites only and like fought for this. And you're like, holy shit. Well, that Ben Affleck tried to get an episode pulled because it revealed his family was part Nazi or some shit. Mm. Well, he had owned slaves. His family had owned slaves. So they <laughs> wanted to get that covered up. Um, and then like, they, uh, well, Finding Your Roots had an episode with George R. R. Martin and um, why am I blanking on his name from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Andy Samberg. Why? Andy Samberg. Thank you. And it's like, what the hell do these have in common? And you find out like, well, one of them thought he was all Italian. And it turns out he's a quarter Jewish. And the other one thought he's all Jewish. And he's a like, quarter Italian. And you're like, oh, everyone's grandparents are sleeping around. Yeah. yeah. That's George pretty R. much R. what Martin. I learned from t- these shows. It turns out, George Every- R. Martin, your great grandmother was a procrastinator. <laughs> yes. It all, co- no, it all comes together. Yeah. In the first episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Sarah Jessica Parker's 10th great grandma is revealed to be a witch as declared by the Salem Witch Trials. Which makes sense for Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh, see? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. she's got the cred. Okay. 
but yeah. she, she, I mean, that's the thing is, it's like, there's so many answers. I mean, it's, you get so many answers, ancestors. By the time you get to like third great grandparents, we're talking about like a hundred people. Yeah. yeah. One of them's going to have some kind of crazy story. Right. Right. Okay. Somewhere you will find something that's weird. Um, and just moving into the video games of 2010, there's a lot to talk about. So again, patreon.com slash laser time talking about with my gaming dudes. It is the first ever PAX East in Boston, which is my favorite trade oh. show. Uh, I don't mind telling you. Shout out to Teddy Rossi. Uh, Dante's Inferno comes out. I have so much to say about that adaptation of that book into <laughs> a video game. <laughs> uh, Mega Man 10, a game I wanted so bad and didn't like that much. Battlefield Bad Company 2, the last bad company uh, bad series. Bad company. <laughs> Supreme Commander 2, MLB The Show, MLB 2K10 uh, is out. Sonic Classic Collection, SpongeBob's Boating Base, and... Uh, Got to give a shout out to Rayman. Rayman 2 out for iOS. We have Rayman Whoa. 2 in multiple decades being released. Uh, and that stay tuned for our uh, our death, celebrity death quiz. Mm. And we're going to tell you who was born during this period. But first, I got to tell you, this show is brought to you by Patreon.com slash LazerTime. People like Dennis, uh, who who make the show possible. At, Not uh, a menace. Yeah. Actually, and, Dennis. And you don't have to be an executive producer to support Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, Bonus Time, a bunch of movie commentaries. Us keep making stuff for you. You can just donate at like a $5 level. You see all those dumb fast food adverts like, you can get a cookie and fries and something else carcinogenic for 5 bucks instead. <laughs> instead, maybe have a nice home-cooked meal with your loved one and donate to Laser Time and become uh, someone who supports us and gets a bunch of extra shit in return. Patreon.com slash laser time. It's how we live and how we keep doing this. And the second you stop supporting it, we'll probably go away. Uh, thank you very and much. Die. Uh, and also, yeah, laser time this week's all about fictional politicians. You want to laugh at uh, Mayor Quimby? You want to see one of my favorite fart jokes in all of sketch comedy history done through a president? It's wonderful. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. I just want you to hear it. It's great. Video Game Apocalypse this week is about uh, anime anime creators who designed video game characters. Um, pretty neat. I'm out. No, no. Titan, come back in. Come <laughs> back in. Come back in. And uh, Diane, uh, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And, uh, wow, I teased the whole death segment. And who died this week? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. I couldn't find it anymore. Yay. Two weeks in a row. No famous deaths. Nobody. And just just while I have Diana here, I just want to say it's uh, interesting. I didn't want to see Kirk Douglas on the the cover of grocery store magazines Mm. like this, but Mm -hmm. it is nice to see Kirk Douglas on the cover of magazines Mm -hmm. following the passing of uh, one of our last pieces of memorabilia Mm -hmm. from old school Hollywood. Hollywood's golden age. Good dude. You hear he he didn't give Michael Douglas any money? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> left it all the charity. Um, awesome. I thought that was cute. Michael Douglas cute. doesn't fucking need it. And Michael, and that's what he said. He's like, yeah. I don't need this shit. Yeah. My dad believed in. He, I almost remember what he said. He's like, he set a standard and he lived by it, and then he did that up until his death. And I didn't need it, and other people did. And money went to charity. Awesome. Get on ya. <laughs> so it's time for that. Means it's time for the bye 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 birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. A birthday. Here's a birthday quiz I have been wanting to do for five years. No. Since this show started, I have been wanting to do someone born February 29th. Born February 29th, 1976, celebrating his 11th birthday. Aww. 1976? What? Yep. Because he 
he's only had 11 February 29th. Oh. <laughs> uh, he was born Jeffrey Atkins in Hollis, Queens, New York. Hmm. Started his rap career with a group called Cash Money Click, but the group was dropped from their label because another member went to prison. Juvenile? No. He made his solo debut on a track with Mike Geronimo, also featuring DMX and Jay-Z. They were all coming up at the time. Uh, Then he wrote the hook for Jay-Z's hit, Can I Get A, and was a flagship act on Murder, Inc. Records. No. Can't be. Nas? Nope. No. I have to mention, his Wikipedia page has an entire section called Feuds! (laughs) Biggie! (laughs) No, but uh, he feuded with Lil Mo, Foxy Brown, DMX, Corrupt, and especially 50 Cent. Especially 50 Cent? I feel like this would be the way I get it, but uh, Mm. it's an embarrassing way to come out as white. It's very embarrassing. (laughs) We've only talked about one of his albums, but it's a big one, his big debut in 99, Veni Vedi Vici. I'm talking about this. Damn it. Uh, his next one will be called Rule 326. Uh, Lil Wayne. Pain is Love. The Last Temptation. T-Pain. Mm. Blood in My Eye. I don't know. Rule. Nasty. No. Ja Pain Rule. is Love too. Ja Rule, thank you. Ja Rule. Fire ja Festival Rule. creator Ja Rule. Wow, ja that Rule. was embarrassing. He's 11 years old. That was embarrassing and I hated all of that. That's why he looks so young. <laughs> I hate not knowing yeah. things. Uh, well, that was great. Uh, tell us what assholes we are. What? Okay. Well, t- the other annoying thing is he's been in movies, but none of them like that we've talked about yet because they start pretty much in 2000. Mm-hmm. So we're not there yet. But want to shout out to another couple leap year birthdays. Uh, Dinah Shore would have been 26 this year. Mm-hmm. Alex Rocco would have been 21. Dennis Farina would have been 19. And one person <laughs> who is still with us, and I thought about doing him, because he plays the Russian ambassador in Hunt for Red October, Joss Ackland, but I didn't think he knew his name because he's a oh, hey, it's no. that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he is 92 technically, but 23 on paper, mm. as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Happy 23rd birthday, diplomatic immunity guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. That has been our show. Remember, support what you like. It is important. It becomes very important around tax time for some of us. Patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, we can find out more next week. Maybe tell a friend about the show. That'd be sweet of you. Post it on your Facebooks or your Twat Rars or your Pinterest TikToks. Ooh, TikTok TikToks even? Yeah, TikTok us. And then write to me and tell me what TikTok is like. Uh, and and, then, <laughs> and, uh, and then, then uh, we're going to close out with, Jesus, Diana, Cousin Dupree by Steely Dan. And Diana will tell because us. Because I want to point out how creepy Steely Dan is. That's why. They have multiple songs about dating someone way younger than you. This is one. Hey, 19. Never date someone who doesn't know who Aretha Franklin is. Never. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tear up this love letter to Billie Eilish. And and we will see you guys next week. Take us out, Steely Dan. Wish that was my catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs)